Holy shit, my face is so smooth. <laughs> It's January 13th, 2021, Rare Encounter, Encounter number 27, Throwing Flemings in a School Zone. I'm Abel Kirby. And creating abysmal horrors with artificial stupidity. I'm Cold Acid. And there we go. There's the beer Ooh, crack. That sounded good. This What's is that? an 8.1. Oh, it's not good, I promise. This is Steel Reserve, <laughs> which is an 8.1 uh, high gravity lager, is what it's billed as. And uh, to be honest, I actually already drank most of one, but I wanted to have the tab pop for the uh, for the beginning of the show, so they, I just opened another one. Oh, so. I, I better I better do the same then. Yeah. This here, this is a Queen Street Five Hundred One semi sweet craft cider. Yeah. Just uh just uh for the people who aren't from Toronto, so. Queen Street is one of the major downtown thoroughfares in Toronto. And the 501 is the streetcar route that actually goes pretty much from one end to the other of Queen Street. Hmm. And what kind of potency so does this have? How many brain points does it in here? How many brain points does it take you down when you drink oh, it? Uh, 5.0. Oh. <laughs> oh boy, that's still strong. This is, you know, I uh, I picked this up I really shouldn't have got an 8.1, but, uh, well, you know, the deed is done. But maybe I won't I be know. so... Uh, Canadian Canadian ciders and beers are usually in the, in the 4 to 5% range. Yeah, that's my normal arena. <laughs> Jeez. You know, so I was reading the news uh, before I yeah, got out we, of work we today. Don't, we, don't, we don't drink flavored water up here. Ah, uh, well. The, uh, my, <laughs> my water down here doesn't taste uh, very flavored, to be honest. The tap water is not that great in Maryland. I could say it wasn't that great in Colorado either. Um, but uh, New Hampshire, I had a well. It's not that great here either. Yeah, we had a well where, where I grew you up. You know what I'm and, talking oh, about. it's great. I like that well water. Every time I go back home, I want to get a... You know what I want first? I want a big glass of ice water. Except without the ice, because, you know, it's a yep. nice flavor. Enjoy all, enjoy, enjoy all those parasites. <laughs> It even has the stuff, uh, the little uh, minerals uh, stuff inside it sometimes. It's, mm, yeah, it's good. Raised on it. Maybe one I am today. And speaking well, yeah, that's more reason to cap the well, I guess. <laughs> At least it wasn't full of radon. <laughs> that was the big worry when they were drilling this well is that they were going to get a bunch of radon bubbles inside the thing. And uh, fortunately, we, we uh, didn't have that when my, my parents were building that house when I was a kid. They uh, lucked out, I guess. Some other no, you just got everything else. Mm. Well, you know what happened uh, down the road for me. I had looked at the police blotter for my local area, and there was really one. Or, there's always one or two crimes on there which are like, hey, someone like uh, broke into a car and stole a wallet or something. You know, in in a, in a town this large, there's always something going on. And there was one that caught my eye when I uh, I opened it up right before I left work today. I was picking through the news, and they had a storage locker that got broke and it said storage locker i think it was actually based on the address that they gave it looks like it was just like a shed an apartment complex someone broke into and stole a two things they stole a dirt bike and a typewriter why the typewriter i think they were after the typewriter and they used the dirt bike to get away that's my suspicion what sort of typewriter was this was it like a 
they did not say diamond encrusted typewriter or something. <laughs> no, it just could have been an IBM Selectric. Who knows? The uh, they didn't say. They just said it was a dirt bike and a typewriter. So somewhere there's a criminal. He's uh, driving away on his dirt bike and he's typing a, a letter. He's got his ribbon flying out the side of the the bike as he's driving down the highway. Yeah, he's he's typing. He's typing. You'll never catch me. <laughs> he's got to leave the ransom note. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> ah, boy. That's been crazy. This is this is uh, episode two of uh, the year twenty year of our Lord twenty twenty one. Indeed, it is. Indeed, we. I forgot 27th to bring the seventh episode overall of the show. Uh, yeah. So we have passed the half year mark. Yeah, yeah. We've now been doing this for over half a year. Oh, that's crazy. Well, Good I don't Lord. do half a year anniversaries, so don't ask me to get you anything. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> I think that sort of thing's like kind of kind of creepy. Hmm. Well, let's see. I picked up a couple random stories that we could talk about this uh, for this show. Um, yeah, I picked up a couple of today, too. Well, usually I start with something. You want to start with something today? Yeah, sure. Yeah, hit me so, with a, something. So, you know how people you know how people take magic mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Usually, or, you, usually the, you eat them, or sometimes you brew them into a tree and uh, tea and drink them. Mm-hmm. Well, this crazy guy... He made he made his magic mushroom tea, mm-hmm. and then instead of drinking it, injected it into his veins. Hmm. Hmm. That doesn't sound so, very fun. Um, yeah. No. No. Uh, maybe it was fun at first, but going to the hospital with multiple organ failures, on the other hand, isn't quite as fun. Jeez. So this guy, thirty thirty year old guy had uh had an opioid dependence and was suffering from depression and so instead of taking the instead of taking his prescribed medications he decided he was going to start trying mushrooms for for his mood instead mm-hmm. however of course when you do that the idea is you take you take them orally not intravenously what ended up happening is because he injected this mushroom brew into his into his blood, he actually had like magic mushroom fungus starting to grow inside his body and Eesh. damaging his organs. Ugh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give that one a yeah hard pass. Yeah, yeah. That is, so yeah. Remember, if you want to get high on shrooms, eat it. Don't inject it. And Leave the injections for other drugs. <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine him. Uh, you said he had an opioid dependency, right? Or was that a uh, injected uh, dependency? I presume that's what. Was I don't happening. know. The article doesn't. The article doesn't say like the details about his opioid dependence. It's like, uh, well, how uh, magic mushrooms? How'd you get him in the? Uh, well, you know, the usual way. Ugh. Yeah, this was not the usual way. Yeah, maybe it's the usual way for him. I don't know. I don't know what would compel someone to do that. It sounds like such a bad idea. I, don't know, I guess you lose your senses when you're on some of that stuff. Oh, well, well, that was a thoroughly depressing topic. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got something happier? Yeah, I Let's got the it. I got something uh, banal and uh, pointless. I got the Burger King, Burger King rebrand story. <laughs> Burger King announced at the very end of last year, and it's really not going to start until the middle of this year. Um, they're doing rebranding on all their... Uh, their uniforms and as preparation 
they're also rebranding the restaurants and some other things. But in preparation for a topic I've always wanted to do, which was the Olympic uniforms, I'm going to start doing some other uniforms that aren't quite Olympians. So, you know, we're going to start with Burger King employees and then over the course of this year, build our way up to the Olympic uniforms, I think is, is the way I'm uh, planning on doing this segment. But uh, so I put in the show notes some pictures of uh, the old uniform, which you might have seen if you visited Burger King anytime between now and 2014. And the, uh, the photo I got was actually of their CMO, this guy, uh, Fernando Machado, who wears this. I've always hated this uniform where it has it like. It looks like it could be out of Star Trek. Well, the thing is, they made they like made the, it like uh, the sort of like the sort of recreational clothes civilians in Star Trek might wear. Yeah, he's missing like the uh, the Starfleet symbol on his uh, breast pocket or where that should be. But they have yeah. the idiotic color scheme where it's like, well, it's green that represents lettuce and red represents tomatoes and I don't know, maybe the brown represents lettuce too if you've ever been to Burger King, and it's like he has a. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's like he has a... Uh, and then that tan at the bottom supposed to be the bun? It's supposed to be the tin, the thin, uh, tiny little bun at the bottom of there. So he gets... This guy, Fernando's got skinny buns. But the uh, the new uniform looks a little <laughs> well, he more... He's a white guy. He's <laughs> got the Hank Hill things down there. Uh, <laughs> the two other pictures... Jeez, uh, now that we have a troll room, usually you and I, we have a webpage that we trade pictures on and stuff. But the... Uh, do you want to... I don't know. What do you think about linking that to the uh, the troll room, or I don't know. What we we're gonna call our uh, chat room right now. No, I think I think maybe stick the pictures in there and the occasional links. We're still gonna do the show notes. Yeah, sure. Well, I don't have a link to it right now, but we're talking about pictures that him and I are both looking at. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess Cole has the link in there. The new uniforms are uh, not as bad. They have this mono monochrome rainbow, so it looks like it's. Uh, a gradation of color, but it's actually from from just a dark red to a uh, to white, and uh, that's what's on the collar. And they have the old Burger King logo, like the uh, the the retro one, uh, way before they they started putting blue inside their uh, restaurants, uh, where it's just the word Burger King with the buns on it. So I don't know. I don't think it looks too bad. I think it's a good move for them, especially because I hated the old uniform. So I'm but, not too big on the on the base brown color. But the overall look definitely is an improvement. Yeah, it's grease trap brown, honestly. But yeah, that, well, that's probably why they picked it, so <laughs> you wouldn't be able to notice the stain so much. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like wearing a, your red shirt. Well, you went to Burger King. You better get your brown shirt, and then your brown pants after that. <laughs> so anyway, um, now, I, the the brown pants are for going to uh, Taco Bell. <laughs> you can get your uh, what they find in there. So every couple of years, someone. They do this article where someone like they buy a taco from Taco Bell and they get the beef the beef material out of the taco and they bring it into their university lab and they try and uh, sequence it. They say, yeah, it's got horse DNA and it's uh, like 25% sawdust and they, they get the breakdown of all the things that are wrong with it. A bit, bit of rat in there. <laughs> I haven't seen that story. It, it seems like they do it every five years or so. So maybe we're doing. Uh, keep an eye out for that one. That Taco Bell, uh, Taco Bell beef isn't really beef. It's. Uh, I guess they did the Subway one though. They had a story about Subway was circulating about how their bread's not real bread. Yeah, their bread's not. They're, legally, it is not real bread in a number of places. Yeah. Ah well. 
anyway, I had a lot of stories to, uh, a lot of options, I should say, when I, when I decided which link I wanted to bring in. And if you notice, I chose the story to link in the show notes from potatopro.com. Which, after doing a bunch of uh, research, I, I, I could have picked some marketing blog and some. There's all these graphic designer blogs with a bunch of assholes talking about how the uniform, you know, Burger King changed their logo. Oh, and everyone has to give their two cents. Instead of going to them, I found a website called PotatoPro.com, which is which was running the same story. That's how I found them in the in the search on like page seven. And it turns out PotatoPro.com is a potato industry insider kind of website and they have all the news you can use about potatoes in the potato growing industry and the restaurants that serve potatoes the manufacturers who make machines that work on potatoes you know that make fries or chips or whatever it's this are you are you gonna are you gonna go like hank hill on potatoes oh this is this website is my favorite thing i found this week potatopro.com i can't plug it too much it's uh, a blog about potatoes and potato accessories. No, you get on their front page. They got potato supply chain stories. They got potato starch and derivatives for whatever you're going to do with those. But uh, I was picking through their uh, their offerings and I found a second bit uh, that I wanted to bring to the show on there, which is f- between uh, PepsiCo and Microsoft. As reported by PotatoPro.com, they, have a, they had an AI project they were putting together to... Uh, have an artificial intelligence in air quotes um, exactly how intelligent this thing is you know is something we can determine um, to monitor the Cheeto we're assembly back to line artificial flavors eh? yeah we're back this is this is part two which is flavor news flavor news on rare encounter we have PepsiCo leverages AI to create an intelligent monitoring system that improves Cheetos consistency and this is a uh, story that was on potatopro.com i got a, a little clip I, I found from some research of a microsoft oh, this is on here does that mean that does that mean that uh that the uh that the what's they're called cheetos are actually potato no it's not uh they're actually made with cornstarch which is something i found disturbing uh, at the beginning but it turns out potatopro.com doesn't just serve uh, the potato growing community and the potato consuming community they also serve the uh, industrial food products manufacturing community and so if it has anything to do with industrial manufacturing of snack foods they'll cover it on potato pro you see it's more than potatoes i can't wait to see their article <laughs> about uh, kfc's chicken shredding machines <laughs> the uh, what do they call that shit the mechanically reclaimed chicken machines yeah oh geez Something like that. So, okay, so uh, just just to get through with this, I got some clips from the uh, the Microsoft engineer talking about building a building a, a machine, an AI uh, system that's going to monitor the Cheeto consistency. And so, let's listen to a Microsoft engineer describe what's going on. What makes the perfect Cheeto? Precision. The right ingredients, the right size, shape, flavor, air, coming together to make the perfect crunch. Our engineers know how to make a Cheeto. Yes, they do. They know exactly how to make a Cheeto. The perfect Cheeto. The perfect Cheeto. I like how that starts. Here's just the first few seconds of it where she goes. What makes the perfect Cheeto? Precision. The right ingredients, the right size, shape, flavor, air, coming together to make the perfect crunch. Yeah, the perfect crunch. Yeah. Crunch. 
So let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about what they actually did. They had a uh, a series of cameras that were watching the conveyor belt. The way Cheetos are manufactured is they mix a bunch of ingredients together and they go through an extruding machine. Um, so they get so their, you know, corn starch. Uh, dough i guess dough is kind of a generous word for it and it gets goes through an extruder that kind of chops them off to be the right length um it's supposed to have the right forces involved to cause the uh the right amount of curvature and the other parameter i think is the uh oh they they list three parameters in the stupid thing it's the length the curvature and i think it's the diameter so they're talking about the cross-sectional width of the cheeto and they have a a camera that's watching all the Cheetos, as they get puffed out and they, they get, uh, you know, passed along the assembly line, getting ready to go to bags, they have, um, uh, well, like an inspection camera that's watching it and is drawing little boxes around it and, and trying to measure for every Cheeto that goes by. How long is it? What's the curvature in millimeters? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I just, you're going on about, like, the length and curvature and... Uh, the and diameter, the, uh, the diameter the, of the Cheeto. Yeah, it's just like it's just like it's just. It's very I'm exciting. Sorry. I, maybe I, I've been watching too much hentai lately. Yeah, I know, I know. It's very exciting for you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it it feeds that back, and they're trying to adjust the uh, they're trying to adjust the extruder parameters. So there's some some kinds of uh, feedback control system they have in place. Honestly, it sounds exactly like the feedback control systems we've been using for 30 fucking years, 50 fucking years in industry. But, you know, it's uh, it's AI. It's special. It's cool. All right, here's Microsoft wrapping it up. They understand the day-to-day. They take all their knowledge and train the AI through millions of simulations. It flags real-time if there are issues so we can intervene very fast. Very fast. And what's great about the autonomous systems is that it upskills our workers. It's actually the perfect combination of human and machine. Just like Darth Vader. Yeah. You know, her, that that lady's voice, just the way that she's talking, like the, the rhythm of her voice and the way that she stresses certain parts of words as well. She almost sounds like one of those artificial voices. <laughs> it could be. The video how do, how do we know that she's real and not an AI herself? Well, they did have a video of her, but uh she could be a deep fake. Could be. Yeah. It's I always know, possible. Right? Uh well, that was it. Um I, I put a cold read in, but I think we belabored the point here. Um the, the Cheetos were on the brain, uh too, when I saw this. I got all excited because there was a random thoughts uh episode a little while ago that i liked uh, i think darren o'neill's in the yeah here we go if he's still there yeah, you, you put you put episode 116 in your notes of random thoughts yeah flaming episode hot. 116 that was uh, the random thoughts episode about the origin of the flaming hot cheeto which was a very good episode by the way it was i would recommend uh, listening to that but all right i did my spiel what's next on the agenda oh your, your well, turn. how about uh how about we move on to we move on to Lego? Lego. Yeah, I noticed you you had something in your notes about uh, about a Lego car. Oh yeah, that climbs, and that got me thinking about some Lego projects that I had seen in the past with transmissions, Lego transmissions. Mm-hmm. Now, if, is this a so Lego transmissible a, uh, disease? No, this is an actual like automatic transmission. Made of Lego. Made of Lego. Yeah. So there's this there's this uh, YouTube account uh, or channel, Serials Bricks and Pets. Serials. This guy. Yeah, Serial. S A R I E L. 
Oh, that's his name. And, yeah. And I guess he's from Poland because his website is serial.pl. So okay. he's done some videos on Lego transmissions. And one of the first ones that I saw of his was a uh, four-speed transmission prototype that would use it would use resistance to automatically shift. So it's not it's not like your it's not like a car transmission in that sense, right? So if it if it finds that it's got too much resistance on the output, it'll start downshifting and it starts at the highest gear to begin with. Hmm. So like oh, say so you got, in- got like a Lego Yeah, so say you got like a Lego car that's using this, right? And it uh, it meets an obstacle so it'll downshift until it can keep moving past the obstacle. Mm. It use it, it pretty much uses a rubber band to to do that. Then the same guy he actually created a continuously variable transmission using a couple of cone pieces and a uh, one of those like perfectly round. Uh, uh elastics for lego yeah 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 and so it's got this thing it's got this thing i guess it's again uh resistance based but it's got this thing that'll move uh move where that uh where that band is mm-hmm. and the band just like rotates across the two cones right so you've got uh you've oh. got shifting that way right so it's got well not shifting it doesn't shift anymore right uh cvts they don't they don't actually shift they just change they just change the ratio of where they are yeah those are cool um i get to ride in yeah. the first time i i got to road ride in a car that had a uh the cvt that the cvt is the transmission where um you basically have two opposing cones and the the belt on it never changes size but it can it can choose uh which which part of the two cones it's on you know so as it moves from left to right you know the the effective ratio of the gearing uh become it changes with it you know as one cone gets smaller the other one yeah. the other one gets larger yeah well as you move as you move along the cones right yeah, yeah. where the where the belt is contacting them they've of course the problem with a cvt is that it doesn't have the it doesn't have like the same uh, torque as as a regular automatic or standard transmission right so it it can't handle high loads, mm. which is one of the reasons why they're still not being used for uh, for like transport trucks, because the amount the amount of downtime that that you'd get using one because of how much service they would actually need under anything other than a light load would uh, would just be prohibitively expensive for the for the trucking industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame too, you know. We spend a lot of time with yeah. cars trying to make sure we're on. There's a there's an efficiency curve for uh, when you are revving your motor. You know, you want it to be kind of on the the most efficient part, uh, and so that's why you have a transmission in the first place is to kind of select what speed that happens at. Um, you know, electric motors don't have that problem. They uh, yeah, you some... just control the voltage going into them. And... Yeah. And there you go. That adjusts the speed. They had a there's a pretty cool article about transmissions uh and then there was also a podcast that was talking about I can't even remember what it was called where they were talking about the the problems that happen with counter rotating blades. Now I'm going to talk about aerospace cuz why not? Um counter rotating blades on propellers for example. Um say you had a prop airplane 
Um, well, if you have a propeller that's always spinning, say it's spinning clockwise, then you always have a torque on the plane. It's always trying to make it kind of turn with it too. Um, because for the force that the engine imparts on the propeller, there's also an equal and opposite force trying to make the plane roll in the opposite direction. And so you have to have a horizontal uh, stabilizer or uh, the, uh, I'm, what's it called? The tail on the plane is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. You know, to, to help keep you, if you didn't have that, you would just kind of spin. And so one of the solutions is you can have a counter-rotating system where you have an engine and then you have, I guess, another engine behind it and you have two props that spin at the same speed in opposite directions. And there's just fundamental issues with that when you start trying to have a transmission or if you start trying to say, oh, you know, if I want to change the pitch of the blades on, say it was a helicopter or something like that, where you want to change the pitch of the blades. The machinery to do that becomes super complicated and you can't service it. And it's there's only one or two planes ever, helicopters that ever did that. I think they're both Russian <laughs> that ac ever actually did that. But the uh, the point, and this is kind of a shaggy dog story, is that if you go around to a uh, uh, electric motor where you have a dual shaft electric motor where you have one, uh, the outer part of the shaft is rotating a prop one way and the inner part of the shaft is rotating the prop the other way. Um, because you don't have to deal with that power curve, you don't have to have a transmission, everything becomes simplified. You don't actually have to change the pitch of the blades. You know, you don't actually have to do all this other crap you used to have to do in the 60s when they were trying to design planes like this. And the, uh, the, the, the point at the end of this whole thing was keep an eye out for, if you think electric cars are kind of cool, wait, wait until someone uh, starts figuring out how that if you retrofit prop airplanes with electric motors if you can get that to work you know there's a there's a huge uh, advantage to it and out of all the planes well, they I have enough power well they have enough power though to uh to replace the existing fuel motors for prop planes though. Well, well you don't have to carry a battery necessarily um you could have a generator and a gas generator that's running this and then you use the gas generator to run the electric motor kind of like a, a boat does kind of like a diesel electric trains yeah or, or like a diesel electric train and out of the and you say well you know i always fly jets but um the statistic they gave and i haven't looked this up to make sure it was true or not it was hard to find uh, accurate numbers but i remember him saying out of the i think it was the four million airplanes in the world right now was like two-thirds of them are actually propeller planes they're prop planes that could take advantage of this. If you wanted to go and retrofit them, you could get a uh, you could get some more mileage out of it. Yeah, because uh, that's understandable. Because I mean, like short hop flights, you don't need you don't need a jet to do. I've been on a number of uh, I've been on a number of uh, uh, planes like that. Just doing like this is long this is long ago when with an ex-girlfriend of mine. She liked going on cruises, and uh -huh. we generally we generally fly out of Buffalo to somewhere else when she's taking me on, when she's taking me on cruises, right? If I was in Buffalo, I'd fly and, somewhere else, too. Yeah, right. So, like, we'd fly to, we'd fly to New York and transfer there to, to Miami, or we'd fly from buffalo to chicago transfer there to like la or uh, texas mm -hmm. and so those flights those short flights from uh from buffalo those are generally with props mm. yeah, yeah and yeah so for the shorter ones and i mean there's probably a lot more 
short hop air traffic than there is like long haul air traffic mm -hmm. in term well at least for at least for people who are like going from place to place for cargo it's probably a whole different situation it's probably the other way around and then of course also like people who own their own planes well the cost of owning a jet's prohibitive unless you're like a multi-millionaire <laughs> yeah yeah right like i i don't i mean like as rich as Adam might be, I don't see him owning a jet. I get, I see him owning like uh, like a Cessna, right, with a prop on the front. Yeah, until he has to eat it, as he yeah. as he said famously, you know, is the day I had to eat my plane. He had to sell his plane and then to pay for his food. Oh, you poor thing. That sucks. <laughs> you poor thing. Maybe we need to donate more to No Agenda then, so he can buy a new plane. <laughs> it's, it's the Adams Plane Fund. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't mind donating for the show. That's over the line for me. I, I'll, I'll donate value for value for the all show. Right, not, all right, all I'm right. I'm not going to put my money in the plane fund. <laughs> oh, there's some good news. Even if he takes you for flights with it? Yeah, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, be completely honest here. Uh, there was some cool news in the uh, the podcasting 2.0 uh, world. Um, have you caught up with that at yep. all? or? We had Sir Spencer. Uh, no, I'm 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 like several episodes behind on podcasting 2.0. So you're gonna have to you're gonna uh, have to let well, me know what's going on there. Well, it's kind of business as usual. Um, the the main issue they seem to have is getting the payment systems working. So if you look at their main objectives, they always had preserve podcasting as uh, as free speech. As an open, neutral platform, yeah. Yeah, a platform for free speech. And in that sense, I think they've succeeded, you know, overwhelmingly because they have a lot of apps are picking up their uh, their feed. Their feed is actually usable. Um, I've switched over to it in my podcast app. And, uh, you know, I haven't run into any situation where I've wanted to look up a podcast. And I've tried a couple different ones on there. And I couldn't find it, you know. And so... As a service, their feed, uh, the the their system works, you know, and and it's a good competitor to uh, Apple's uh, directory, as far as I can tell. You know, there's nothing in there that I'm missing. Um, the second part of this, where they yeah. want to have podcasting as a platform of value, is that how he said it? The uh, the big push, You're telling me, yeah, the big push here. Uh, Seems to be getting people on board with lightning nodes and Bitcoin payments. And the there's a, a large contingency of people. When I say large, I mean like in our community, large. There's probably 15, 20 people um, who would be on this in a heartbeat if they could. Um, but they, uh, they there's no roadmap. There's there's no way if, if I'm Joe Blow and I say, oh, I want to send a lightning node payment to this podcast. Let's forget the, I'm going to stream a payment. I just want to send Bitcoin to this pocket. Like the, the infrastructure doesn't exist yet. And so the protocol that they're putting together where you have a, an address inside the RSS feed that says, hey, if you did have a, a way to send the money, this is the address you would send it to. Um, I mean, that's a great first step, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's happening. I was, I was actually looking at that again, and I was actually talking to... Uh... To Sir Spencer from Bull After Bull about the whole lightning thing, because right now a lot of that stuff, I mean, the light, the lightning tech, first of all, and then how to actually like have a channel set up like in your own node, 
that people can send that can send their sats to. I've been I've been like questioning him on that and a while ago he said he's probably going to write up an article about how to get things going with with that. But for now he's just relying on uh, Sphinx Chat the same way that uh, Adam and Dave are relying on it for the podcasting 2.0 podcast. Yeah. And for podcast index. So down the road we we should definitely have uh, useful guidance on this. The, the oh, it's, podcast it, it's just uh, not there yet, I guess. Tag, yeah. The podcast namespace tag for that isn't even in the current uh, development phase for the podcast namespace anyways. Yeah. It's right now pushed to phase three. Yeah. But at, in the meantime, like, I've actually, I actually checked out how much I have in Bitcoins lately because I've had a, I've had a wallet sitting around for a while without doing anything to it. And it was actually like two magnitudes of value larger than, than I thought. <laughs> because I mean, like with Bitcoin over 30,000 US each. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I've got, I've got a decent amount of, uh, of money in Bitcoin right now myself and i was thinking hey maybe we can actually start taking bitcoin donations for rare encounter but that's something that's something for us to talk about off show rather than on show yeah but yeah yeah, i've been i've been looking i've been looking into this i i definitely guess i need to catch up on uh on podcasting 2.0 listen to the episodes i've been uh, i've been missing yeah, it seems like the 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 thing to do if they want this to take off is you have to get the lightning nodes in the hands of the people uh, who want them. And I'm just looking at the voltage getvoltage.io site. It's uh, 9.99 monthly to get a lightning node light through their service. And if that's sufficient to uh, be podcasting 2.0 compatible, which is their cheapest plan, um, you're talking about $120 a year per user. And if that's what it is to to get, it it might be a a decent idea if we need to bootstrap this and get from people what, on board uh, from what sir spencer from what sir spencer told me you can run you can run a node no problem on a on a raspberry pi with a with support for like usb3 to sata and uh-huh. an ssd uh-huh i didn't so hear that yet it's it's a, yeah it's a bit more it's a bit more expensive than 120 dollars a year for for an upfront fee right but uh it's like pay once and there you go of course the problem is right now it looks like to have a lightning node running you need the whole blockchain present so you can't do something like what uh what uh, what's it called electrum does and just uh just have like the most recent uh, couple of nodes and use and yeah. network to to verify everything else. I think the normal and Bitcoin I mean, client lets you choose the to do that The size of the too. blockchain, the whole blockchain right now is like, is like, what something like three or four hundred gigabytes. Yeah, it's. Uh, they said it on Grumpy Old Ben's, and I, uh, I, uh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head. It was uh, in the gigabytes range. It was not yet terabytes. I remember that. And it has to be in the gigabytes yeah, range I'd because l- like... I have the whole blockchain on oh, this was it, SSD. It was in the gigabytes range. It was in the gigabytes range back when I was using Bitcoin Core instead of using uh, Electrum. Hmm. So yeah, it's in the it's in the hundreds of gigabytes by now. It has to be. Oh yeah. So what I'm hoping for is that somebody figures out 
how to set up a lightning node that doesn't need the entire blockchain, but only, but only those uh, blocks that are actually relevant to the transactions currently in your channel. Yeah, there, there's an option for that in the Windows, like the, if you get the vanilla Bitcoin uh, client, like if you go to bitcoin.com or whatever it is and get the, the client there, they have an option where you can say, either get the whole blockchain and run a full node, or you can say, well, I'm gonna download the entire blockchain, but after I process each block, um, I'm gonna toss it and only keep the, the most recent ones. Yeah. So maybe that's what they, what they need. And I, I think I have the whole thing, the entire node on this, uh, this hard drive, and it's, uh, it's under a terabyte. So unless I check that box and I forgot about it. From what I yeah. understand, from what I understand with Lightning, like there's going to be, there's going to be multiple blocks that are going to be, you're going to keep having to monitor, even if you're not actually pushing any transactions into the, uh, into the blockchain right away. Is what it looks like is there's a, you create a lot of uh, a lot of deferred transactions, none of which actually go to the chain or in yeah. any miner's yeah. mempool until you close things out. Yeah, and they they all get ratified later. You just send, the, you just send the appropriate. Yeah, you just send the appropriate transactions then. Yep, yep. Well, that's cool. Um, you know, I had a thought on on yeah. a, a related topic about the the decentralization that everyone's pining for right now. It seems, uh, it feels like we've been through this before where, where everyone describes, it, the thing you need to do is get decentralized. Well, it seems like more people are getting on board with, uh, with Mastodon now. Did you see the number of people who signed up on, uh, through Mastodon accounts, uh, in, in the last month or so, or the last week? There was a post on No, no Agenda just, circul circulating around. Just, just sitting, just sitting in the No Agenda troll room and seeing how many people are asking for invites constantly since the sixth yeah it's it's pretty crazy and since the sixth i've also noticed that uh no agenda social has been uh lagging and lagging and lagging more <laughs> well i haven't noticed that at all but it's like uh it's like it seems it seems as uh as activity increases not just on no agenda social but also across the fediverse our instance of mastodon is uh is performing worse and worse. Hmm. And I think I think part of that is is not is because of the amount of resources used for hosting it, but on the other hand, Mastodon itself is not the best written or best performing software out there. Hmm. Now remember that Twitter originally was built on Ruby on Rails, which is also what Mastodon uses. And the Twitter people found out that uh <clears throat> With all the fail whales, they had to change to something that was uh, that was more performant and better for and better for throughput. And they ended up, for some reason, going to Java. Meanwhile, Pleroma is built on Elixir, which is a web framework for Erlang, which is a language and platform that was designed by Ericsson for the telecom industry with the purpose of being high performance and uh high throughput right and even if, even if it didn't take advantage of the features that allow that it would be it would like if it wasn't taking taking explicit advantage of them it would still be getting implicit advantages from that uh, from that framework and platform and so i believe that uh i believe that pleroma is actually much better for 
the Fediverse as it gets bigger and more active because it can handle the amount of traffic coming through without the sort of legs where I see something show up in my notifications right away, but it doesn't show up in my in my regular home feed for like 15 to 20 minutes. So let me ask you more about Peloroma. Uh, is that how you say it? Pleroma. 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 Um, is it, that a one-to-one? Pleroma one? does what Mastodont. Yeah, yeah. Is that a... Um, uh, does it have a one-to-one one one interface with Mastodon? You say, okay, so what, what are the features then? Let me ask you this instead. What, are the, what does Pleroma do? Pleroma do so that Mastodon Pleroma, don't. Pleroma is, is another microblogging uh, uh, instance server. Mm-hmm. So, so in, that, in that way, it's like a competitor to Mastodon as as a website or as a web uh, as a web application but, uh, right? more than being a more efficient mastodon what specifically does it do or is it just a more efficient mastodon mostly it's a more efficient mastodon but it also has uh, it also has its own uh its own uh like front ends so there's a there's a more there's a more twitter like pleroma front end and there's the more Mastodon. well the mastodon fe is pretty much a rip of the mastodon uh front uh front end just just retargeted onto onto pleroma's api mm. another thing with pleroma is that it native it's native to activity pub like it is designed around the activity pub concepts instead of it having its own its own like way of ordering all the objects in the in the site and then just mapping that to activity pub for communicating with other instances mm. so that that's also that's also a, a place where uh, where performance improves because it doesn't have to do this mapping back and forth for its own view of the world to how it's communicating with everybody else it both how it's seeing the world and how it's communicating with the world is one and the same with pleroma okay okay well when uh wow so much so much anime for our anime podcast eh? <laughs> well we told it we told everyone in 20 uh was was the line in 2021 we weren't gonna have a much uh much anime left i don't know there's some anime going on right now um we had higurashi's back from um back from hiatus they took a hiatus over the uh the christmas i guess holiday break, break yeah, christmas break christmas new year so they the, their last episode um and then the the next episode that aired after that just aired i think this monday or was this weekend and they actually moved it to a later time slot and so there's some speculation oh, they moved it to a later time slot now hikarashi's always been famous for um being kind of violent and and uh offensive in different ways in in fact it got censored from tv in japan the the first time it aired um and that's something we discussed earlier where they had a there was a, a pretty gruesome schoolyard murder and uh at the same time they they pulled that and they pulled school days off at the same time and yeah that's how we ended up with nice boat with, with the nice boat because instead of airing uh school days that week they aired a uh I think it was a boat. It was the final of episode Alaska. of School Days too, wasn't oh, it? Yeah, yeah, where Makado gets his head stuffed in a. Well, I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, let's it, not spoil it for people who haven't seen it yet. Makado went to the gym. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure. It's uh, 
it's one of those like it was his sled sort of things at this point but yeah, let's not ruin the surprise for people who have been able to keep uh, their ears Magata, shut what a all cat. this time he was playing all the girls in that show that was uh, that was something special <laughs> yeah he, but then he got he what was, he gets what he, he was like too. the ultimate chad of anime mcs wasn't he <laughs> Oh, geez. So Higurashi got pushed back an hour in, in time. And so as we know, the later the time slot is a little less true in America these days. But in Japan, the later the time slot, the more you can get away with showing on TV. And so they said, oh, they're pushing it to a later time slot. Maybe it's going to get more explicit or more violent. And my God did it. The the last episode um, that aired before the break had a kind of a cliffhanger ending where they you found out oh this really some really fucking bad shit happened in the background it happened off screen they said there was a slaughter there's a festival these people got shot and it saw these people died and and it just kind of happened you know off screen they didn't show you when it came back they actually the first part of the first episode is a time skip back to uh to show you what happened from a different perspective and it is brutal my god if you thought um uh, what was your uh, the witch anime uh, Majino Tabi Tabi Wh- Majino Tabi Tabi they that that had a pretty uh, gruesome episode episode nine this one I think tops it for me this was pretty uh, rough to watch it was the point where I kind of knew even it was going to happen even those you know? gruesome episodes of Majino Tabi Tabi weren't all that bad it was more it was more just like the mood whiplash of the uh, of going from like happy episodes to that that yeah. uh, really made it seem so bad. Yeah. So I caught some of that. Uh, Higurashi Gao, which is the, the full name of this, is uh, it's going to be a two-core show. So we got through Core 1 last year. Core 2 is this year. It's going to be fun. I'm on board, man. I'm waiting for the next yeah. one. I want to find out what the fuck happens. Oh, man. They have <laughs> uh, the main character who's the hidden main character. So this Keiichi is... They call him K1 in the fandom because his name's K ichi right like k1 um he's yeah. the uh he's the main character who you kind of follow most of the show and then as you as you watch more and more you realize that this this girl on the side rika is actually knows way more than she should and there's more there's been for the last couple of seasons there's been way more happening with her than there should have and it, it turns out she probably as the story loops around so what happens the the arc of higurashi is they, they start at some date in the 1980s in this remote village in Japan. They have some series of unsolved murders and, and uh, weird paranormal, paranormal events happen. And usually it ends with everyone dying after about four episodes. Then it resets and it plays out in a different way, you know, with some uh, there's some commonality between the different arcs. But they 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 reset it and then it, you see all the same characters back in time kind of playing things out in a different way in and it does a great job of subverting all your expectations where they'll have one person might uh one character might kill someone in in one arc and then the next arc they'll be like innocent like actually innocent it's like it really screws with your head it's a great psychological anime um but yeah uh, sea cats is the same way in that regard it, it there is a fan theory that they're actually the same show they're the same because uh, they're the same author and some of the characters might be the same it's not clear yet though yeah i don't think i don't think that fan theory is correct but i mean because it's the same author and the same sort of uh storytelling uh system i guess you could say there there are like a lot of parallels between them with like 
going back and starting over and things are different this time around and some people who seem to know more than than they really should and whether that's because of magic or something else right is is dependent on which one of these you're going through like if it's higurashi or if it's umineko and but, did you did uh, you any, watch in either case did you watch all cats no I no. did get through. I did get through part five of the visual novels, though. Aha! Uh, that was great. I actually never read any of the VNs for. Uh, for so what we call. Um, I should probably explain to people who don't know because not everyone's going to know what we're talking about. We're talking about um, the anime Hikarashi no Naku Koroni, which is the when the cicadas cry, uh, which is the first one I was talking about. There was a second series by the same author called Umaneko no Nakukoroni, which was uh, When the Seagulls Cry. And the reason that we call it Sea Cats is because Umaneko, it's a stupid pun in Japanese, and I don't even know why. We we shouldn't grace it by saying Sea Cats, you know, it's it's such a bad uh, pun, but uh, Umaneko it, it's is... It's a horrible pun, but I love my horrible puns, so I'm not I'm not sorry whatsoever. A, sea, a seagull in Japanese is a sea cat, and so they call it Sea Cats, even though it's just it's just the way it is okay um which anyway it had the the same kind of themes where they uh even though the the, so what was the story for it anyway they had uh it was a closed uh room murder on an island yeah closed room murder on an island and then everybody else starts dying yeah it's almost like and then there were none that uh was that an agatha christie novel I think yes, that, it was. who wrote that where they uh the family in the story on Umin, on sea cats they all go to the island and they're going to decide who uh, who gets the inheritance from the rich uh, patriarch of the family who's dead and they had uh they have this series of murders that happens and meanwhile it's the only people on the island are you know the the cousins and uh, aunts and uncles and and there's also the butlers the the butler and the maid you know it's this great uh Really fun kind of mystery uh, show that aired. I don't know what ten years ago now. It's been a while. Oh God! At oh fuck! We get Carb Blains talking about samurai pizza cats <laughs> in the Irish. Yeah, no, that channel. is totally something different. Carb Blains, absolutely different. Oh my God! Samurai Pizza Cats was the show where they had uh, they they got the animation for it, and I can't remember exactly why they didn't get a script. Uh, maybe that was the reason they actually just rewrote the whole thing. And so the script for the English version was just fabricated. It was completely rewritten from scratch based on because what the what Sabin were... Entertainment did. Yeah. I mean, like this, this is the same company that if I'm not mistaken, gave us, uh, uh, Power Rangers. Uh, that might be true. I thought you were going to say, uh, Robotech, but they didn't do that. That was Harmony Gold. Yeah. It might be they Power Rangers. That, no. Yeah. Sabin I do know that Haim Saban was uh, involved it, with Power Rangers. Yes, Power Rangers was a Saban uh, uh, product, along with, uh, what else do they have on here? Animated TV series, Kid Video, ALF, the animated series. <laughs> oh, they were they worked with, uh, with Marvel to do that uh, 90s X-Men series, oh, which yeah. was really good. I remember watching I that. I loved watching that when I was a kid. It was back when Wolverine was bright yellow. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ah, oh, well. Well, you know what we say about uh, Wolverine. I'm trying to find that clip. Here we go. Maybe. Will it play? Will it play? No, it doesn't. Aww. Ah, I had a clip of you saying Wolverine's Canadian. 
Ah, it didn't come oh, through. Oh, you had <laughs> I clipped it. I clipped that from a uh, after show a little while ago. It didn't play. Fuck. Son of the beast! Son of the beach! Uh, well. You been watching any AMA? Do anything fun? Oh, yeah. So I finished up Prisma Ilya. Oh, yeah? And, uh... On DVD? And, yeah, so... Yeah, on DVD. So... Wow, Berserker. Wow, just... That was uh, one hell of a battle. And then, of course, the OVA episode, episode 11 of the of the first series. I can now see why people were thinking that... Uh, that uh it's a pedophilia uh, incarnate <laughs> it, it was it was for a show that's that's centered around like the grade school girls that, that had it that had quite a few lewd moments to it no yeah. I, I i i almost i almost feel like i should go and like turn myself into the cops for watching <laughs> okay no it wasn't that bad but i can definitely see why like people who don't watch anime would be like all up in arms about it. Well, that's what like all you know. Won't somebody please think of the children. So, to be clear, this is why I thought it was hilarious when John C. Dvorak was tweeting it or uh, uh, tooting at you about why don't you go write a review of this? It's like what? What are you talking about? This is this, <laughs> yeah. this show is famous for being a pedo yeah. bait. So, so I I am not. Uh, I'm not gonna write a review. If he if he wants a review of this show, uh, he can listen to our show. Oh, he can. You can send that DVD to El Cerrito, California, PO Box. What is it? Three seven seven nine. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep <laughs> I'm gonna keep it. He, he's just gonna have to either like find the show for himself or like I don't know, sign up for High Dive since it's on there as well. Oh uh, yeah. And watch it himself or just uh, just listen to us blather back and forth about it. <laughs> So I figure I figure I'm gonna start I'm gonna start watching the second season on uh, on High Dive now because I mean in for a penny in for a pound right yeah well let me let just me ask see, you about just that see how how far down this rabbit hole goes let me ask you about that Berserker fight you said at the end uh, now the only Berserker fight between Ilya and Berserker that I know of was from the original visual novel that was in Unlimited Blade Works, which is part two of the original Fate Stay Night uh, bullshit back in 2003 or so. Um, and in that, let's see, how do I put this? Berserker uh, broke Ilya's heart. Did that happen? Uh, no, this time, this time, uh, uh, Mew tried fighting Berserker and... She was just about to get herself creamed by him when uh -oh. Ilya came to save the day, and and then the two of them ended up kicking its ass and destroying it for the card, for the class card. Huh. Well, that's not how it worked in Blade Works. No, it wasn't the same as in Fate Stay Night. <laughs> no. He broke her heart by... Uh, keep, keep in mind, I mean, like, Prisma Ilya is a... Uh, is like a total total like au right it's a it's yeah. a different it's a whole different continuity well in anime news we have a couple of things coming up um the evangelion movie that everyone's been either looking forward to or dreading depending on your perspective is coming up in about 10 days i think it's the 23rd where it uh hits the theaters in japan um, so it's something to look forward to. God knows when it'll hit here. Yeah, and it's not on Fathom Events. I went and looked today just to make sure. 
they did have a new anime on Fathom Events, but it's a CG anime. Excuse yeah. me, this Steel Reserves uh, starting to get to me. Um, they have a Miyazaki film coming out uh, next month. Uh, it's a Goro Miyazaki. The Miyazaki? No, oh. it's his son. It's Goro no, Miyazaki, Miyazaki. So it's not as good. <laughs> I, I haven't even seen it um, yet. Because um, you know, I, re- I remember, I remember, I remember Miyazaki having having something to say once, and unfortunately, this is very dirty audio, but uh, it's the best I could find. Anime was a mistake. Anime was a mistake by Hoyo Miyazaki. No, they have a yep. uh, Fathom Events uh, for two days. They're showing a new movie called Earwig and the Witch. And it's actually based off from a Diana... Earwig and the Witch. Earwig and the Witch. It's based off from uh, a Diana Jones book. Um, now, she had written the Howl's Moving Castle, or the Howl's... Or, I'm sorry, I think it was the Moving Castle series. That the Miyazaki movie in the mid-aughts called Howl's Moving Castle... Uh, was based off from and surprisingly so, yeah and so they're adapting another one of her books i guess it worked well so this is a book from the 80s she wrote a children's book called earwig and the witch and uh you know it's i don't know it sounds interesting i might go watch it it's uh coming out february 3rd and 4th in theaters that show fathom events but that's oh, the only anime i was have the... to go watch it and, and come back and tell us about it yeah if it was like Lupin the Third and it has like Hitler show up in the middle of it, you know, it might be worth it, but jeez. I was really hoping I, I was crossing my fingers for a long time they that there would be an Evangelion screening in uh in North America and it just doesn't seem like it's happening. There's no interest. It's a shame. It's a uh, shame. Well, it'll it'll probably happen eventually, but uh Yeah, it's a it's a shame that it's not being uh simultaneously released. Yeah. It's got to get a lot of people's uh, knickers in a twist because I know there are a lot of people, even today, who are absolutely obsessed with Evangelion. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the original at least was a great show for for like how fucked up its production actually was. It was nineteen ninety five. Yeah, but at the same at the same time, it some people treat it like it's the be all and end all of anime and it's it's nothing of the sort yeah i liked the original series and i liked the uh the original ending which was end of evangelion so um if you didn't know likewise evangelion was a was an animated series uh by studio gynix the director was uh hidaki anno famously and it aired i think between 1995 and 1996 um, and at the same time, or maybe a year delayed or something like that, uh, ADV, which was a company uh, in America that would import uh, anime and translate it, they were putting out VHSs, and so they put out Evangelion uh, Volume 1, 2, 3, and all that. They, they'd subtitle it, and they'd, they'd send it out, and it got really popular in America at the same time and up amongst the anime fans, which were few and far between in those days uh, compared to now. Um, when you actually have stores and anime showing up in Walmart, you know, things like that. The uh, the premise was it was a giant robot show with a lot of uh, psychological uh, material, you know, undercurrents inside about a, a traumatized boy and, and some other 
uh, traumatized girl who shows all up halfway through. All the kids were traumatized. Yeah, and then there was another traumatized girl, and it's, it's, their parents might have been traumatized. It's not. It's, it, it, there was nobody happy in this whole series. They all had problems, and you got to watch them uh, uh, succumb to these different problems as the world ends uh, around them. So, in that way, it was entertaining. Um, it was kind of depressing, but it was a uh, really good show, and a good movie that concluded it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. the movies, the movies, I mean, don't forget the movies were a big fuck you to all the people who complained about how the series ended. <laughs> this, so, well, the series ended the way it did because Gein, the studio that was producing it got uh, uh, crippled. They essentially by, they, ran out of money. They ran out of money because they were evading their taxes and they were under audit by the government. <laughs> and so they, at the end of the last episode, they, I think the last... The second to last episode had no new animation. They couldn't hire any. They, they couldn't keep anyone on payroll, and so they rebuilt the episode as uh, out of old frames. Um, so that you had the celluloid um, cells, I guess is what you call it. You know the the transparencies you would stack up to build each scene. And they what they did is they went and they started rephotographing them in different orders <laughs> to uh, to make a story for episode number twenty five. And then episode twenty six was the same shit. Except they they had a couple new animations which were done by uh, I think they were done by like Sharpie marker or something like that, and then they they don't forget congratulations congratulations yeah oh it was a shit show oh my god that was great and as Spike Spencer said you ran out of ink too didn't you you bastards as he put it (laughs) (laughs) oh boy anyway um, Evangelion is one of those series kind of like Star Wars that won't die. It uh, keeps coming back in term in in the merchant for merchandising. So they'll come back and they'll have they had Nerve Coffee. So they had a brand of coffee based off it. They have all the figurines they want to sell. They have marketing deals. They had a advertising deal with Gillette. Have you seen that one called? No, but don't forget it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that, but it was also like. Uh... Anno ended up starting to starting more or less channel George Lucas in like, oh, I want to keep I want to keep changing this and adding more to it. And well, fortunately, you can't you can't really just go back and make those sort of edits to uh, older animation. Right. Especially when you don't have all the cells and stuff anymore. But you can go and create a new series that uh you know like how how like all these movies from like the 80s and before keep getting remade these days right which is essentially which is essentially what rebuild is yeah it's like a is a theatrical remake of the series with all the sort of changes he wants to do now as as he's suffering from lucas syndrome like and remember all the changes that george lucas made to the original trilogy right it's completely neutered too in the same way yeah the like evangelion was pretty raw it's it's pretty ridiculous the the opening scene which is why i like the (laughs) original the original evangelion warts and all because it it was raw it was it was like unique it it had it had character because of all the things that weren't right about it yeah whereas coming back to it now with like fuck you levels amount of money and everything and what do you get is is essentially like 
how the edited original trilogy and like the prequel trilogy for Star Wars is, right? It, it's neutered, it's, it's dumbed down, it's got more special effects than actual characterization to it. The, the original ending of End of Evangelion, um, I think it was the opening scene for the movie is he goes to see his girlfriend in a coma and he whacks off to her in the hospital. It was this famous, like, really gross scene. And they won't do anything like that, you know. It was incredibly transgressive. They, no, of course there's, not. There's people who, who still watch it and say, wow, did that just happen in a movie? <laughs> You're not, this isn't supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, the, the new one's kind of PG-13, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and at the same time it was it and it's that happened and then he goes, "Well, I'm so fucked up." Gee, you know, and it had this uh this moment of reflection. He was, "Okay, I'm a teenager. It just is something really fucking gross." And it it had grit to it. And that's gone at least in my uh my assessment of the new series, the new movies. By the way, I mm-hmm. I need to issue a correction. I said uh Evangeline had the Gillette uh, razor blade account it was actually chic and i posted a bunch of uh pictures inside the rare encounter uh, uh chat room there and you can see the different ads they ran some of these were on billboards in japan where they have gendo shaves his uh his uh famous uh facial hair off with uh with a chic razor blade and all the girls are swooning over him it's great <laughs> <laughs> okay th- those are going in the show notes those are definitely going in the show notes it was a great ad campaign they did that uh, last link you, that last oh there now it's loaded yeah yeah this is ridiculous <laughs> i love it yeah that one even has mary in it so that's that's after the first uh the first uh rebuild he looks movie so happy out. which is like totally not gendo yeah he's like holy shit my face is so smooth <laughs> Okay, kind code that. I know that's going at the start of the episode. That's a cold uh, yeah. open right there. That is. And thank you for reminding me. Let me go hit the right key to make a marker. There we go. Done. Woohoo. <laughs> All right. Yeah, they had a billboard. I can't find I couldn't find the picture of the billboard, but it was a billboard of like Gendo laughing as he shaves his face with Asuka and Ray swooning over him on the side. <laughs> this, is, Lord. this is bad. <laughs> I wish you could find that. Uh, that that's that. I just imagining it, and I'm like dying here. Yeah, I can't find the I can't find the picture on the DuckDuckGo images, but yeah, you know, it exists. It, it's a real thing. All right, do we anime ourselves out yet? I think so. Unless unless you want to talk more uh, more pansu witches, because uh, I noticed you threw a whole load of screenshots <laughs> of them. Of that in your uh, show notes. Well, I'll I'll do I'll be really fast about this. Um, yeah, I watched uh, the I finished up season one of Strike Witches. I'm still on board with the idea that Strike Witches is much better uh, the second time around. The first time that I watched it, which was when it aired, um, I think in 2007 or eight, I was aware the whole time this is a really retarded show. Like this is bad, and I know it's bad. I'm watching it anyway because I'm a terrible person. It was sort of the perspective on it, and. It, now, what has it been? Uh, it's been a long time, uh, since 2008, 12 years. Uh, I actually think it's a genuinely good show. It's a genuinely fun show to watch. Um, it was the kickoff to the Mecha Masame craze um, before Girls Zoom Panzer and, and some of these other shows that got really popular uh, afterwards. You had the World War II uh, plane, the, the girls who represent World War II planes, 
I don't, it's so it's still impossible yeah, the to pla- describe. The planes themselves, the planes themselves, for the most part, are are turned into pansu lollies that fly with little propellers on their feet. And they they reenact historical battles in World War II. It's set in 1940s Europe, and so they're, they're on location. It act they're actually in. Well, we have a base in Dover, you know, across the uh, the English Channel or whatever, you know, and it, it, it's there. It's set in the right place or they're in Italy and it looks like Italy, you know, and they put a bunch of detail into the machinery. So they have Jeeps that have the right, uh, you know, radios inside it and the, the boats all look accurate. You know, there's so much detail in the uh, the, uh, you know, World War Two aspect of this. But then on the flip side of the coin, it's complete lunacy where they have aliens are invading and it's these girls flying around with propellers on their feet and there's magic involved somehow and nobody wears pants it's a no it's a very it's all all, uh it's all bloomers or just like short shorts or panties yeah and the uh i don't know it's i finished season one i started watching season two also and I, and I'm not gonna put a review on season two yet, but I I keep having flashbacks to when I watched it the first time. Season two came out in 2010, um, which is sort of the the life of an anime fan, where you get 12 episodes in 2008, you get 12 episodes in 2010, I think, and then you have to wait <laughs> till 2020 to get the next 12 episodes. It's, it's a very but long be, wait. There may yeah. be like there may be like. Uh, 12 or 20 short episodes of a spinoff at some point in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did the rate. They had a radio show in the in that gap 10 years. They had a radio show that was pretty popular. They had the novels were coming out. They had manga. They actually had a movie somewhere in the middle, too, which I, I didn't give them credit for. But yeah, it's a yeah, it, it's, it's a veritable franchise. Um, just to conclude Strike Witch's talk. I wanted to point out uh, there is a Shaft um, spinoff of Strike Witches coming up later this year. It's not the one that's airing right now. There's another one coming out after that animated by Studio Shaft, which is the Strike Witches Idol um, show. I look forward to our uh, head-tilted lolly uh, idol singers so flying around. Let me tell you something about Strike Witches Season 1, I've realized. With, with that in mind, there was one insert song sung by a character in Strike Witches Season 1. And it was a... She's singing in uh, German, I think. And what they actually played as the insert song was a character was... One one of them was playing piano. And the other one was singing, you know, the you know all, all the verses and everything of the song. Um, a German love song from the 1930s. And it was a real song, you know, it was uh, a famous, uh, I, I suppose, I wasn't around back then, but according to Wikipedia, it was, a, it was a, a highly popular love song from World War II era Germany. And when I started looking into uh, Luminous Witches, which is the Shaft one that I've been talking about, I, I forgot the name for a second there, all of the characters inside it are actually, you know how... Chuck Yeager has a character in Strike Witches, which is Charlotte Yeager. And all the different, you know, yeah. er- Eric Hartman, the Nazi ace pilot, is Erica Hartman. He's like the 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 younger girl version of himself. Uh, it, it, the, all of the characters in Luminous Witches are famous singers or uh, based on famous singers from the 30s and 40s. 
by the way, from Germany, Italy, France, uh, North America. And so I have my fingers crossed that when they actually have luminous witches, it won't be... This is really dumb. I know I'm wrong about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Here's my wish, that it's not going to be J-pop bullshit, but they're actually going to do um, contemporary versions of 30s and 40, 40s era uh, pop songs. Okay, that has my attention. I it, totally it sounds like to, such a better show. <laughs> It does. If if it's fucking Love Live, it's the same. You know, it's, it's Love Live or yeah. I mean, other we, we've shows. had we've had uh, we've had like those we've had like idol shows out the ass over the past decade. And I mean, like, don't get me wrong, I do love some of those idol shows that I did watch, like uh, uh, Wake Up Girls. I loved that one. But yeah. uh, but again, I mean, like, just trying to idolize uh, or idolify i guess is a better way of putting it uh the already existing non-idol uh strike witches franchise that's meh so they have a character base it, it go, take it taking taking things like where it's where it's like the where it's like the 30s and 40s numbers instead of like your usual j-pop idol crap that that is something I would totally be in for. They, they have a character based off Edith, Edith Pythe, the French singers. If they have that character sing that song, I'm going to lose it. It'll be my anime of the year. Or any of it. They have, they have a bunch of other, you know, Italian and North American, uh, like, swing band, big band kind of singers. Too. I, I, if Shaft fucks this up, I'm going to be really mad. I'm looking forward to it. You will right. fly over to Japan and <laughs> kick the producers. Two nukes ass. were not enough. <laughs> oh, Please, I'm I'm trying to take a sip of my drink here. <laughs> All right. Good luck. Do you want to? Let's. Uh, that was my last story here. Let's. Uh, you want to go into podcasts and then we can wrap this up after this. Yeah. Let's. Uh, let's go through the podcast news. Yeah. So we had. Let's see. Hog story had a. Uh, Two episodes since uh, since we last came around. They had one with Darren O'Neill, a.k.a. Elmo. Yeah, that was... On. Yeah. Darren uh, Darren's Elmo voice is, like, scarily on point. Yeah, I, I could imagine that he is actually the... Uh, he is actually the voice actor for Elmo on, uh, on Sesame Street, and he's just <laughs> been hiding that from us. Yeah. Um... And since then, we also had... Oh, actually, I wanted to mention, while that episode was going on, I saw in the smoker, um, Sir Andrew Jones showed up in, in chat. Um, I don't know if you've interacted with him much, but I met him in real life. I, I completely forgot about it. Um, but back when I was in Colorado, I had uh, I went down to the uh, 719, local 719 meetup in Colorado Springs. I think I went twice before I moved to Maryland. And yeah, it was hosted by Andrew Jones down at the Phantom Brewing uh, Company which is a bar, kind of restaurant bar down in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd go and have the meetup on the roof. We actually, they had a round table. <laughs> they had a round table at the restaurant. Oh, nice. So we don't have to sit at the round table, you know? And that was some really good time. So when I saw Sir Andrew Jones in the chat room uh, in the smoker, so, oh, that was really fun. I said hi to him. He recognized me. He says, yeah. I've I've talked to uh, the only meetup I've been to in Maryland since uh, since I moved here was by uh, Sir Scatman of Norristown, Pennsylvania, and I went up there once. 
Um, I promised him I'd go to another meetup. I just haven't been up. I just haven't been up there yet. Um, driving to Pennsylvania isn't that bad, um, so I shouldn't complain. But it's uh, apparently it's just bad enough that I haven't uh, haven't got off my ass to go up and do anything. But I will. Soon How far is DC from you? Oh, it's nothing. I am. There seems I am to be very close. Meetups there. Yeah, but I just haven't gone. So the problem with DC is they're actively hostile to car drivers. So if you drive a car, first the traffic sucks to start. Once you get on the DC Beltway, you're fucked. Um, to get into DC, the way I've done is it is that just because the way that uh, that Washington City is, or it, is it like it's Queen intrinsic? Ba is it Queen Koopa's fault? To, the, okay, it's intrinsic. The ten years ago is the same bullshit. Ten years ago, you didn't want to drive to DC. You have to park outside and then take the DC Metro. And if you want to do anything, um, like if you want to go to the National Mall, that's what you do. That's what I. That's what I do anyway. Um, is you park and then you take the the light rail in. Um, and I just don't want to. I just haven't been able to do that. They did have a couple people down at the. Uh, the uh, the protest meetup. I didn't go. I actually had a customer showing up that day, so I had to, you know, I couldn't I couldn't call out sick. I had, I had something important going on, but yeah, the, you uh, couldn't. You didn't get to. You didn't get to storm con Congress, eh? No, two. Uh, I think two of my coworkers did though, and I talked to one today, but I didn't ask him how it went. <laughs> I should get a report from him. Uh, <laughs> but I, I suspect you know I know I'll, I know everything he's going to say in the first place anyway, but. Yeah. it's uh but it'd be it'd be good to get some more boots on the ground reports from uh from the protest for no agenda well yeah i don't know record, if... record what he has to say send it to adam and i don't know i don't know if he'd be okay with that it might be i don't know i have the suspicion that some of the people i work with are uh are uh, uh no agenda uh at least listeners and at some level but it's so if far, they're not, they may be amenable to being hit in the mouth. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But um, anyway, we had so that was a that was a hog story. Grumpy old Ben's had a let's see, they had Larry on, Larry from that Larry yeah. show. Yeah, it was a good episode. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I like uh, that Larry show. I love, by the way, I love hearing uh, I love hearing Larry's voice. I wish I had his voice. I like oh, hearing man. someone on Hog Story tell him they're wrong. <laughs> i like i like he That's didn't just wrong. go along he he would go out he you know if he didn't like what, what was going on he'd just say it. he'd tell you no i don't think that's the way it is here's what i think it is and uh i appreciate that i think it's good mm -hmm. let's see we have uh 282 days since uh the last episode of maps with matt uh tonight it's been two weeks it's been over two <laughs> weeks matt you said you you said you'd have an episode for us after your two-week vacation where is the episode where is the episode, Matt? <sighs> Where is? Where in the world? All right. And I was is trying to Maps get the... with Matt episode four? <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Nick the Rat is talking about PsyOps tonight in the uh, sewer chat. That's 113. He'll be coming up after the show. Um, when's he start? About, uh, is it 11 Eastern? Usually around 11 o'clock Eastern. Yeah. I always get confused. I used to listen to him at nine o'clock Mountain Time. So I, it, it, if you change time zones uh, too much, then you, you kind of lose your sense. It's it's also well, the that same. That works out to th that works out the same. It's nine Mountain is uh, is eleven out here. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, oh well. That was a. Uh, I talked to uh, Sir Seat Seater for Abs in a Six Pack. We don't have a date yet, but I'm talking about going on on his show and. I talked to him about a topic which is yet to be uh, disclosed, but we do have something. 
Um, so it sounds like he has uh, some uh, pretty cool guests coming up. Uh, what do you say on No Agenda Social? It was uh, one of these conspiracy theorist guys. I recognize his name, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. So I guess I should just put my foot in my mouth. But uh, <laughs> that's been a really good show this uh this is he actually going to record it on a different day because normally he records on wednesdays as well doesn't he he's also recorded on the weekends um i i don't know if he has a schedule uh i've been talking about some other shit and it's hard to get his time (laughs) let me put it that way he's a very busy man which is amazing because he keeps having all these different guests when he's not when he's not drinking and muting himself and letting his guests uh run away (laughs) with the episode yeah the uh, the show I'm going to do with him, I think, is going to be fun. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, uh, but uh, I'm putting together the material and the clippage. Oh. It's going to be fun. So look forward to that. Um, man, that's all I got. That's all I got, yeah, man. Well, I don't really have much to report outside of uh, outside of the stuff I've already covered. So, all right. Well, let me jump over here and find out what our sports team is. I forgot to paste that in my notes. So if you go look it up on TVGuide.com, oh. uh, budget draft. Yeah, who, who's 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 at who tonight? Who's at who? Oh, it's it's literally in this list, but I did not. Here we go. Sports teams matchups. It's the Niagara Marvels versus the Kitchener Brutal coming up next on the Rare Encounters stream. And until then, I've been Abel Kirby. I've been Cold Acid. Adios, mofos. Oh, here, I should do the thing. I always forget to do this. I go, adios, mofos, and slowly the music fades in.